I have a question for you. Why should you pray? The Pew Research Center reports that over 75% of Americans say that they pray at least once a month. And 55% of Americans claim to pray daily. Now, you may be thinking, who are these Americans? Because I don't pray at all. <laughs> Maybe you think, don't think about prayer as much more than wishful thinking or just putting good vibes out into the universe. And if that's where you're at, then I totally get it. But here's what I wanna suggest, if I may be so bold. You should pray, and you should learn from Jesus how to do it. Now, you may be ready to turn this video off and keep scrolling because you're not even sure that you believe in Jesus and you assume this video is not for you. But can I get you to stick with me for just a little longer? Because here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that Jesus offers all of us a life better than we could ever imagine. No matter what you believe about Him right now. In fact, no matter what you think about God, I believe He can't stop thinking about you. He is for you and only has good in mind for you. And throughout this video series, we've been talking about how even though all of us are looking for a great life, great often feels out of reach. We are never fully satisfied or fulfilled. It's like we have this hunger that no amount of money or success or sex or respect can ever satisfy. And you've changed jobs, houses, maybe even spouses, but nothing works. You're happy for a bit, but soon it fades again. And what we've been discovering throughout this series is that nothing in this life fully satisfies us because we were made for something better than a great life. We were made for life with God. One ancient philosopher said it like this, our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. And through Jesus, we are invited into life with God, what Jesus called the kingdom of God. And it's only by experiencing life with God in His kingdom that we can ever experience a good and satisfying life. And it may not be the great life that we had in mind for ourselves, but the goodness of God is better than the greatness of this world. And so we've been learning how to choose good, not great. And central to the good life Jesus promises us is this conversational relationship with God through prayer. And that's what we're going to be learning in this video. What does kingdom prayer look like according to Jesus? Hi, my name is Heidi and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at in this series, Jesus unveils a new vision for what it means to be human. And the way of Christ's kingdom directly confronts the way most of us have lived our lives. Most of us have been taught from an early age that if we are going to have a great life, the kind of life that others find admirable and that makes a difference in this world and that is truly enjoyable, well, that kind of life isn't given to you. 
You have to take it for yourself. So the message most of us receive is that a great life is one where our will is done. A great life is where your goals and dreams become reality. And this is just the way the world works. I mean, every person I meet has something they want and they're trying to get what they want from me and I'm trying to get what I want from them. And occasionally we can come to some kind of compromise and a mutually beneficial decision, but occasionally someone's just gonna have to step up and take control. And whoever gets what they want the most, well, they're the greatest. But throughout this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is setting up his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the way of life for his disciples in opposition to the greatness of the kingdoms of this world. Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who is willing to be least, not the one who forces their way to the seat of high honor at the table, the one who humbly sits at the lowest position. People who don't lie or deceive or use their words to manipulate. Those who love their enemies and wouldn't even think of getting even or getting back at someone who took advantage of them. Those who aren't using their time and energy to manage their image so others think more highly of them than really they ought to. Because Kingdom of God people are not focused on their will being done or their own self-interest. They look to the interests of others. So they don't try to intimidate or manipulate or coerce others into doing what they want. They simply ask for what they want. And they live with a gentle, humble, others-focused attitude. Which is why Jesus says early on in the sermon that this isn't just about what we do to others or even in front of others. It's also what happens in our minds. He says, a kingdom person so highly values the image of God in other people that he or she refuses to hold contempt for another person. They won't degrade a human being to a label like idiot or something even worse. They won't degrade the physical bodies of a human being to sexual fantasies and fuel for lust. Jesus is trying to get us to see that what happens in our imaginations is just as real as what we do with our bodies. Because if I put my energy and my focus and my imagination to disrespecting the image of God in you through imagined arguments and actions or through fantasies that I conjure up, then it's not a large leap to start trying to control and dominate you in the physical world. In kingdom people, we refuse to see others as objects to be controlled and used for my own pleasure or to achieve my goals. We see each person as precious to God and as an opportunity to grow in his goodness. I think we can all see that this is a better way to live, but it's really unimaginable to most of us. I've spent so long in the kingdom of this world, I've spent so long on the things I was told would make my life great here, that life in the kingdom of God it feels like living in a foreign country. And so when Jesus invites us to live in his kingdom, the Jesus nation, he pauses to give us a common language to speak, a way for us to center ourselves in the life of the kingdom of God so that I seek first his kingdom, not my kingdom. So prayer becomes a way to shape my imagination to see how good and beautiful God's kingdom is. Because if we're honest, Many of us don't see a life where I turn the other cheek when I'm attacked or where I can't fantasize a little about the woman at the gym or where I have to be 100% honest in every interaction, even if it makes me look bad, as that good and beautiful. 
seems a little restrictive and boring. But when we pray as Jesus teaches us to pray, it becomes a way of shaping our imagination so we see how good and beautiful life with God is. Because prayer is ultimately a conversation with God. It's about building relational intimacy with the one whom we were made to live with. If life with God is truly the most rich and satisfying experience we can have, then prayer is crucial to it. But as we've said since the first video in this series, for many of us, Jesus is just a means to our ends. What we want most is a great job, a great family, a great life, and we want Jesus to help us get our will to be done. He's just a means to our ends. And so for many of us, prayer becomes the same thing becomes a way for us to get Jesus to do what we want Him to do. It's not about knowing God better. It's not about spending more time with Him. It's not about us being shaped into His image. It's about us trying to bend Him to our will. And so Jesus addresses up front, when you pray, don't pile up a jumbled heap of words. That's what the Gentiles, or those who don't believe in God, do. They reckon that the more they say, the more likely they are to be heard. So don't be like them. You see your father knows what you need before you ask him. He says prayer is not about you listing out all the things you want from God. Now, I wanna be clear, that doesn't mean you can't ever talk to God about your concerns or even ask God for things, but Jesus is saying it's not the purpose of this prayer. There are all kinds of ways to pray and there will be times when you talk to God and you just wanna cry out. But this prayer that Jesus is teaching is a different kind of prayer. So Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Jesus begins with two simple words, our Father. Now, we all tend to jump to the second word, Father, because it's so powerful. Thinking of God as more than just the King of the universe or our master, but as a Father who loves us and cares about us is absolutely critical. But I often notice people miss the first word. It's our, it's not my Father in heaven. This isn't just a personal prayer because the kingdom of God is not just a personal private thing. When we enter the kingdom of God, we are entering into a community. And so when we pray, we're not only to think of ourselves, we aren't just praying as individuals. We are praying as a part of a community. So we pray our Father in heaven. And by heaven, Jesus isn't telling us God's location or his address. The word Jesus uses for heaven is the word that can also be translated as atmosphere or the air we breathe. Jesus is trying to get us to understand that when we pray, God is near to us closer than the air we breathe, because that's the purpose of prayer. It's this invitation for God to walk right up and talk to us, our Father, who's always near to us, in the air we breathe. May your name be kept holy. To keep something holy is to treat it as special and valuable. And in ancient cultures, to carry someone's name meant to represent them. And if you did so poorly, you devalued that name or the reputation of that person. So Jesus is teaching us to pray, Our Father, 
The goal of our day is to make sure that your name is treated as precious and valuable. Not that people would admire and respect me and my name, but that your name would be great. And here's how. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most of my day is focused on me and what I want. But this prayer, this is a time where I pledge to God that I'm interested in His kingdom and what He wants to be done. Whether it's through my words or actions, the way that I treat people, or if it's the world as a whole, I am all in for you, for your kingdom. It matters more to me than anything else. And then you pray, give us today our daily bread. Father, I'm trusting you to give me all that I need for today. And for most of us, we don't need a prayer saying, God, I hope I have enough food so I don't starve. But we do need to say, I release to you everything going on in my day. I am trusting that you will give me all the strength and all the wisdom I need, all the opportunities I need. I am not relying on my ideas or my abilities or my power to get things done. If I can't do something without anger or lust or deceit or without forcing my own way, then I don't want to do it. I will trust that if it needs to get done, I can do it in the way that you call me to do it. And then Jesus teaches us to admit something. No one who is focused on their own greatness wants to admit, I sin, I fail. I don't always choose God's will over mine. I often choose my own will and that willful disobedience, that is sin and it damages myself and other people around me and it separates me from God. And so every day I'm led to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, I'm not great, you're great. I'm not able to fix all of my own problems. I'm just a sinner and I need you. But this prayer doesn't just deal with how I handle my own sins, but how I handle the sins of others too. Jesus teaches us to pray that we will forgive the sins of others in the same way that He forgives our sins, which may feel impossible depending on how deep the wounds others inflicted may be on you. But by aligning my sins with the sins of others, it brings humility to me. It reminds me as great as someone else's sins to me might have been, my sins are equally great before God. And so daily we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation or testing and lead us away from the evil one, which seems like kind of a downer way to end this prayer, but what Jesus is wanting us to acknowledge daily is that as I go throughout my day, choices will be presented to me and I'm going to have to choose to seek God and His kingdom or to try to manipulate and control things for my kingdom. And so we're simply asking our Father, lead me, guide me in those moments of testing and temptation and when the evil one is trying to pull me towards choosing my way over your way. 
to be humble and to trust your will over my own because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. And that's the way I want it, which is another way to say, amen, I agree. That is what I want. Not my greatness, not my kingdom, not my way, not my power, not my might. Your kingdom, your way, your power. And I will trust in that over my own way because I need you. I need you to lead me, to guide me, to give me strength. And that's just what I want. That's just the way I want it. Now let's just pause here for a moment and just marvel at how countercultural this prayer is. This prayer is not the kind of morning affirmations you give yourself in the mirror or before a job interview. It's not the kind of confidence booster you'll get from a life coach or the title of the next bestseller from the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. It won't lead you to greatness, but it's essential to living a good and satisfying life in the kingdom of God. Everything in our world, and let's face it, within ourselves convinces us that life is really about me accomplishing my will and building up my life and my kingdom. But at the same time, we know the most damage we've done to ourselves and to other people, the biggest failures in relationships and in our careers and our integrity are when we have been so focused on getting our will done that we cut corners or we lied and we manipulated or we forced our will upon someone else. Focusing all of our will and our energy on our greatness and our will being done only leads to destruction. And so this prayer of Jesus serves as a way to begin reshaping our lives into people who can easily and freely pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. From the beginning of this prayer, we acknowledge that life is not about me. It's about our Father. Life is really about God, and it isn't just me and God. It isn't about me getting God to do for me what I want. I'm a part of the church, a community of believers who are also praying to our Father. And all of us are praying that His name be great. It's not about my glory, my greatness. I'm all in for Him and His kingdom and His greatness. I pray that what He wants done is done, even if it conflicts with my greatness because I'm interested in what he says is good. And so I don't have to fight and scrap and earn my way to the top because I trust everything I need for today will be given to me by my heavenly father. So I don't have to go beyond my means or lie and scheme or dominate others to get ahead because I am safe and secure in a good kingdom where my father is great and he gives me all I need for a good life. And every day, I confess that there are still times when I choose my will over His will. I still sin, but I don't do what many of us naturally do and try and fix my own problems. Because me trying to do things in my own power and my own wisdom is what got me into this mess in the first place. So instead, I admit, God, I need you to fix this for me. Forgive me, because I can't earn it on my own. I need you. I'm dependent on you. And then I do one of the most countercultural things. I pray to forgive my enemies, those who have hurt me, betrayed me, who want bad for me. Because in the kingdom, there's no condemnation. And that is not just extended from God to me. 
God intends for me to freely forgive everyone around me. See, I won't ever experience the forgiveness God has for me if I'm refusing to forgive others. And that may sound like God is like holding something over my head. That's not the point. See, when I ask God for his forgiveness, what I'm asking is to live in his kingdom. I'm asking to live in a world where people don't get what they deserve, where love and mercy is so natural that grudges and bitterness, they can't breathe in that atmosphere. If I want to live in that kingdom of grace, then whenever I continue to hold someone else's debts against them, when I choose to not offer grace and forgiveness, I'm choosing to step out of that kingdom. It's not God choosing not to forgive me. It's me choosing that forgiveness isn't what I want. And then we end by asking God to strengthen and guide us through the day to help us choose his will over our will. Because we admit again, I probably won't do this on my own. If there's too much temptation, I may be too weak to choose you over me. So please lead me away from temptation and the schemes of my enemy. Because I want to choose you and your kingdom over me and mine. Do you see how praying this prayer every day could shape your life and your decisions? We don't pray this as some magical mantra that I have to pray exactly the right way or God's not going to do what I want or bless my life. It's a way to shape my imagination and shape my character that I could become the kind of person that God could trust for my will to be done. Think about that. God wants to shape me into the kind of person that when my will is done, that what I want is done, it's something God wants to be done. You remember that movie, Bruce Almighty, where Jim Carrey gets the powers of God, and when his will is done, the world is worse. His life becomes great. The world becomes worse. And he as a person goes from being this good and kind person to becoming selfish and on an ego trip. His career grows, but his integrity, his relationships die. Do you know why that resonates? Because we all know, if my will was done, it wouldn't be good. But the Lord's Prayer is a way of God helping to train me to reign with Him in His kingdom. Praying your kingdom come, your will be done, is not me giving up power. It's God sharing some of His power with me. It's me saying amen to all God wants done in this world. It's me agreeing with my words and with my actions that what God wants done in my life, in my marriage, in my career, with all of my relationships is better than what I want done. And when I live my life submitted to His will, His grace and His power flows through me and blesses me and those around me. And it isn't magical. It's me living in the power of His kingdom. It's me saying, you're in charge. Amen. That's just the way I want it. Because God has given me a kingdom of my own, a body and a mind and a free will. And I can choose to have things my way or to submit my way to His way. And this isn't to say that God doesn't listen to our prayers and that I haven't seen God answer my prayers. I have in general ways, but in incredibly specific ways as well. That's not the point of prayer. It's not about trying to get God to do what I want. It's about me having a conversation with God where I'm open and honest about my wants, my desires, my will. But I submit all of that to my Heavenly Father and I allow Him to shape me into His image. It's about co-ruling with God 
Suddenly, I have the authority and the power to make the world and the lives of those around me better. Not because I'm living in the old ways where I used to live by forcing my own will on others and trying to force it on God himself. It's me living in the flow of God's power and his glory and his kingdom, which is all found in selfless, sacrificial love towards others. And when his kingdom of love and peace and gentleness and forgiveness is my goal, then every time I act in my body and in my words, and every time I pray in my spirit for that to come true in my life, then I achieve my goal. And here's the deal. If I don't choose his kingdom, I will choose to live in a kingdom where I have to earn every bit of greatness for myself. And other people become competition and rivals to be defeated. I will continue to choose my way, my power, and my wisdom, and I will hurt myself and others as I pursue my greatness. But I could choose humility and gentleness and patience. I could choose mercy and love. I could choose to see every day as a gift and every circumstance and every person as a blessing and an opportunity to grow in the goodness of God. This prayer leads to that kind of life. So the choice is set before you every day. Which kingdom are you going to choose? Yours or God's? Are you gonna choose great or good? You and I have been invited into a life in God's good kingdom. And here at Community Christian Anywhere, we want to help you take your next steps with God and His community. We always say that church was never meant to be just content that you consume, like the video you're watching right now, but a community that you can get committed to. And so we'd love to help you take your next step into our community here. Would you text the words next step to the number that you see on the screen? Someone from our team would love to reach out to you and help you figure out what your next step with God is. So don't hesitate to text, but no matter what you choose to do, I hope you leave knowing that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.